Hello, you're listening to Yarns from the Plain, a podcast for knitters, crocheters, and anyone who loves to play with yarn. And welcome to episode 58 of Yarns from the Plain. Time to say goodbye. I'm Nick and I'm podcasting to you from the Cheshire Plain here in the northwest of England. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. And if you're a new listener, don't panic. I'm not saying goodbye. Although I do know it has been a long time for anyone of you who are returning listeners. I do apologise for that. I wrote the show notes, although I know it's no consolation, I wrote the show notes for this round about the 8th of September and had every intention of recording it then, but went to a family wedding and then got wrapped up with work and some new new responsibility that I took on at work has actually turned out to be more time consuming than possibly any of us quite realised. So... Unfortunately, time has sort of slipped away. Time and and a few infections. Um, After the family wedding at the beginning of September, I promptly went down with a self-inflicted ear canal infection. I know that's possibly a touch of too much information. Sorry, Dr Gemma, but, you know. Word of warning, boys and girls. Don't stick cotton buds down your ears. You get obsessive and then you get infected. That just about cleared up. And was then promptly followed by a stinking cold. And then every time I tried to record, my voice just went all squeaky and I sounded like a pubescent boy. (laughs) Really? You know, that terrible, terrible kind of squeak, gruff squeakness when a teenage boy's voice is breaking? I didn't think that was fair to submit that. But hey, it is now half term. Woo! I'm hoping to be able to get this edited and up today um, before we go away. Although I'm looking at the time and uh, uh, I've got killed later on, so possibly not. But if not, then it will definitely be up before next weekend, which is the weekend of Saturday the 27th of October. It will definitely be up before then because I'll be able to, when I come home, I can edit it and get it up. So... Deep, deep apologies. I'm sorry. And it was only as I was recording the intro that I suddenly thought, eek, you might all think it was me that's saying goodbye. I'm not. I'm not. I may not be as frequent as I would like to be over the next little while, but I am certainly not hanging up the microphone. So absolute apologies for that. In this episode, I will go on to explain that slightly cryptic title and talk to you about what's on and off the needles. We've got something from In the Weaving Shed. Something I really like. Bit of chit chat and details of competitions. Woohoo! Now, like I say, I wrote the notes for this six weeks ago, so I do apologise. I'm going to try and. They, they were pertinent at the time. And I still want to talk about what was happening as at the time, but I will just have to try and make sure that, that I put them back into context. 
first section in the on and off the needles, my first thing that I really wanted to tell you was, woohoo, all the wool sack cushions were done. But obviously, it's now, you know, 20th of October, so that's a bit obvious that they're done. But after the last episode that I put up, I seamed the make, do and mend cushion. That was the one that had a back knitted by Caratrike and that she'd, she'd dyed the yarn. So it was lovely green uh, back. I made the front in some hand spun that I spun back in April. I dyed it before I'd spun it. So the blue and yellow were a deliciously soft Falkland and I really, really liked that. Um, and it was quite fine sort of fingering weight. The green was a grey Gotland that I dyed and then spun that was the one that shed a, a lot of dodgy looking guard hairs as I spun it. Do you remember? Yeah. It looked a little bit more like garden twine after I'd finished it and was a little bit thicker than the other two. But I actually was really, really pleased with the cushion and was quite, um, quite reluctant to let that go. <laughs> I also finished the cushion that I'd based on the Circle Socks by Anne Campbell. I knit that one in the round. Uh, I used Judy's Magic Cast On at the bottom to reduce the seaming used Sheepfold's Lovely Clotted Cream, which is a blended cream Aran weight yarn. And I dyed, well, it was supposed to be Union Jack Red and Blue, um, but it turned out more pink and baby blue, really. But that was really nice, so I had alternate rows of um, pink and blue circles, and I really, really liked that as well. So that was all of those done. Those were the last two. They were sent off, and, uh, you know, really pleased to, for them all to be done. And went straight into a, 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 well, almost paroxysms of delight in the fact that I was able to, to do some knitting for me. So, literally the first thing I did was start another waterfall front cardigan, a crochet one, um, by the Natural Dye Studio. So I started Elsa. But I was making that one in Lemp and Linen. Now, Lemper Linen is thicker. It's a DK, I think, that the pattern originally calls for sock weight. So it required a bit of fudging with the maths. So I've done three rows on the back and started to work on one of the fronts. But then I put it to one side to cast on for a knit-along with the I Make podcast, and that was for the Colour Affection shawl. Now, that's by Vera Valamaki. And I decided to use the luscious, um, semi-precious yarn by Baby Long Legs that I bought at the blueface.com weekend. So once I started that, I didn't stop. I worked on it exclusively. I finished it within a month, literally. Cast on something like the uh, 8th of September so I could drive down to the wedding, um, knitting it, and came back uh, and finished it on the, the 7th of October. It was quite mindless, um, you know, really good for knitting in front of the TV, but the, the rows did start to feel really, really long. And it was, you know, a lot of nights during the week, I was only able to knit two rows on it. But it's really good. I've not blocked it yet, though. And so the edge, um, where the garter strip is along the edge, is a little tight. So I do need to block it. i to say I've been very naughty and I've worn it a couple of times without blocking it. So I do need to block that just to ease that out. I'm a glutton for punishment, though, because literally the moment that was done, I cast on Adrift by Stolen Stitches. That's a waterfall front cardigan. It's a bit of a theme here, isn't there? And um, that the original is knit, I think, in Malabrigo lace. I'm knitting it in 
another natural dye studio yarn, Cyrene in Lundy, which is a, a apricot colour. I thought it was a stronger orange actually when I bought it, but it's apricot, but I really, really like it. Um, and it's supposed to be being knit as part of the um, I Love the Natural Dye Studio Ravelry Group's Great British Yarn Knit Along, Crochet Along, Weave Along, which is aiming to cover shoulders. Now, that was supposed to be running between September the 15th and November the 15th. There is no way I'm going to finish that by November the 15th. I mean, I had to cast on 268 stitches to start with. I know I always say chunky girls shouldn't wear chunky knits, but chunky girls really need to think carefully about casting on a cardigan with a waterfall front in a lace weight yarn because, you know, it's a lot of stitches. But I do like it, um, and I will give some more information about it in the next episode I think because there's a lot to to talk about here and I want to um, move on because we've got the final in the weaving shed section from the recording I did back in August now I've had some great feedback from the uh, in the weaving shed section including, and I must say specifically and mention specifically and say thank you to Ledman. He's a member of the Ravelry Group and he suggested that I use strips of sheeting um, or selvages from quilting projects instead of um, my big thick newspaper strips at the start of the weaving. Um, he, was, he was quite horrified actually that I used such large strips. Um, he says it will, the weaving will settle to its correct width faster if I use thinner strips. And he was quite worried that I would end up transferring newsprint all over the weaving too. But that doesn't really happen here in the UK anymore. They've, um, since they've gone to using colour pictures, I find that there's very little newsprint um, coming off on your fingers. So it's not really a problem. But I would like to say thank you very much to him because he was obviously very concerned that I was making some whopping rookie mistakes. And, uh, you know, that's why I love this show. And I love podcasting because you all set me right on my errors. But you're so kind about it and you're so nice. And you give me so many suggestions when I ask for help. So thanks a lot, Ledman. Anyway, here we are finally finishing. What I normally do is I do normally, or I have done for the cushion pieces, I have sewn a hem at either end using a needle, um, just using a very simple stitch going over two or three, uh, three or four of the warp threads uh, and then down two of the wefts to just make a firm edge so that nothing will um, come away. I, I'm not probably going to do that with this. I think what I might do is just very simply um, tie a knot one, um, uh, each pair of warp threads, I think I will just tie a, a small knot, not a big overhand knot like you would with a fringe on a scarf, but just take take them and just tie individual knots. Um, I think that might be easier to do than trying to actually work the hem. Um, but I, I've got a bit of a you know problem with that. But I'm just going to see what I can do just to finish it off, and then um, I'll take it off the loom. Okay, I've actually managed um, by threading a needle and using a very large embroidery uh, needle or darning needle I've managed to actually weave one, two, three, four, five, six passes through um, 
just using the brown so I've made a salvage salvage for the end so it's actually time I think I've just about managed to squeak 40 inches but oh, you know it's not it's going to be a slightly undersized cushion I think so first thing I'm going to do let off the front brake take the papers out because as I've been winding it on around the front beam um, I've been wrapping it with paper as well next thing I'm going to do get rid of the paper, is I'm now at the front here, and this is where why I've ended up with um, quite a short weave, because I did have so much here at the front. So let's take out strips of newspaper, and then I'll untie these ends from the beam. Now what I'm going to do, like I said, um, I often, or I have done for the last two cushions, I have used a, um, a sewn hem. Here all I'm literally going to do is just one quick um, start of a knot, because I haven't got that many ends, and it will just, that will just stop that first um, row just coming out whilst I'm manhandling it around. The moment it starts to full, either from any agitation that I use on it or in the tumble dryer, that's actually, it's not going to be a problem then at all because the fibres will mesh together and it won't become, un it won't come unravelled. I know that from the, the last two pieces that I've done, it, it will be fine. But just whilst I'm manipulating it, um, it's just a little bit easier if I do just tie off those ends very quickly. And it really isn't taking a great deal of, of time here. Um, in fact, I'm going to cheat with that one and do two and two. There we are. Again, it's not... Oh, actually, no, that's a bit lumpy. I don't want it too lumpy. Um, but it just stops that, that chance of that first one coming out. Okay, so that's all of the warps off the front of the beam. Um, what I will do is... Obviously, I don't need them um, to be that long, so I'm going to just tie them, having secured them up near the top so that the first line of weft doesn't come out. I'm just going to secure them in groups in an overhand knot, two, three inches away from the end and then trim underneath it. It just stops them in the fulling process. And I have I have no idea if anyone else does this or not. I haven't normally done it to this extent, but because these are actually really quite long at the front here, the longest of them are, are running, and the longest of these warp threads 
are sort of, you know, 20 inches. They don't need to be this long. So I don't want them that long. Um, they, I have no need for them. It's not like I'm using these as, as fringes on a a scarf. So just knock them out of the way like this. I'll trim the ends off and then the... That's just an easy marker for me to see because I'll trim them again once I've fulled um, the fabric before I actually start sewing it into a cushion. I'm only treating it like this because it's not an ending that I need. The very first piece of weaving I did was a scarf and I did have all of the warp threads there as as a, a fringe. And obviously, you know, some of your design... Uh, some of the things that you're weaving for, that's absolutely fine for. Um, but I just don't need it for for this. So, that's all of those with a quick overhand knot. Tidy them up out of the way, and then let's give them a haircut. them like that also makes it easier for me to to grab right now I need to go to the back of the loom and here I am going to come uh, I'm going to go along and I'm going to cut at the end of the beam now what I do need to be careful of and it's really easy to do and I hope to god I don't do this whilst I'm doing this now it's actually really easy to cut the string that ties your um, slat that you tie your warps onto onto the back roller um, so you know to actually cut the string that attaches your beam to your back roller and that's a really silly thing to do but if I were to do it I wouldn't be the first person to do it I've not done it yet but then I've also not cut it off the beam before whilst trying to record it for a podcast. Ha ha! Done. So now, oh, I just need to unpeg. In the very, in the last picture I took, you might have noticed there was a peg at the back. There was one warp that got very saggy right near the very end. And so I just had a peg, a clothes peg on it, just to um, pull it tight in the last few ends. So again, I'll knot the ends to stop that last bit coming through, especially since I was having trouble beating it. I don't want to um, that to come away as I full it. Okay so I've now knotted up all those ends and I've got the weaving here. Um, obviously everything is kept under tension so when you take it off the loom um, it does actually contract a bit anyway. So the actual weaving is 37 inches long um, so 20% of that would be uh, just over 7 um, inches so I uh, maybe 
we'll end up with something around about 30 inches long. So obviously my, with a little bit of a seam allowance as well, my cushion's not going to be a 16 by 16, but it is only a guide. Um, it is... It's around about uh, 19 and a half inches wide. Um, again, the salvages, or my salvages, pull in the width slightly anyway. For those of you who work in metric, that's it's come out at um, 49 centimetres wide. Now, if you remember, we'd, uh, I'd actually warped it up, so it was around about 54. So it pulls in anyway as you weave it so that's it off the the loom so the next step is to go and give it a bath in a bit of some hot and then some cold and then some hot a little bit of a scrub to give it a bit of a shock uh, and then I'll pop it in the um, what I did with the first one was I popped it in the washing machine to give it a quick spin and then which obviously agitated it a little bit and then I popped it in the tumble dryer for a few minutes so I'll probably do the same thing with this so I'll speak to you again when I have fulled it and we work out where we are then and what size we've actually got. So last night I agitated and washed the piece of weaving, gave it quite a bit of agitation and this morning um, having come back to it after it's been um, washed and then folded in the tumble dryer, I've measured it and it's... It's actually longer on one side than it is on the other, which is a bit odd. So obviously I had some sort of tensioning issues there. On the long side, it's about 30... Uh, on the short side, it's about 30 inches long, and it's about 16 inches wide. So I'm now just going to go and whip it up into a wool sack cushion. So that was the final section where I finished off the weaving. Also, since I last recorded, I very quickly wove a Mobius cowl in the sari style. I, ha I think I haven't mentioned sari style weaving before. Sari looms are produced in Japan. They are very interesting looking looms, but are very, very expensive as an option um, for importing into the UK. So... I don't think I'm ever going to actually have one, but they're, involved, um, they're moved using foot treadles and you can buy pre-wound pre warps to go on them. And there's something about them that means that you can actually take some weaving off in the middle of working on it and put on another warp and then come back to it. I'm not quite sure how that works. But anyway, there are a couple of groups on Ravelry devoted to sari style weaving which is very much about a philosophy as well as a style of weaving very much a case of nothing is wrong everything is an experiment and we learn from everything that we do now one of the things that one of the founders of the sari style groups on Ravelry has been working on and has been involved in are Mobius cows now I may have mentioned these before because my friend B has made some and I have one of hers but the idea is that you weave on the, the, the main part of the cowl. But before you start, you wind on 
the warp so that you've got quite a lot of space left at the end. As much extra space, plus your, ta your, your fringe, as your weaving is wide. When you get towards the end that's attached to the back of your loom, again, you make sure that you've left, you've got enough left for the width of the piece of weaving and your fringing. And you then undo the weaving at the front. You fold your, you find about the halfway point of your weaving, wind it back onto your front loom, making sure that you go over the top so that you're not actually wrapping it completely around the beam so that you've then got to take your loom apart to get it off, or worse, cut it. And you then proceed to weave the ends in from the front of the loom that you've undone from the front of the loom. You weave them in a strand at a time through the warp and it joins up. If you've done it right, it will have one twist in it and I wanted mine to sit so that the twist would be on one shoulder and the overlapped corner with the fringing on would be on the other shoulder. I panicked that I wouldn't have enough and so wove some more, which actually meant that I ended up with it being longer than I wanted it to be. And I'd slightly misjudged the amount that I'd wound on at the front. So I had very, very long tassels on one bit and very short on the other. So it, it didn't quite work out. I wanted longer fringing on it. But I have found a way to, to wear it. Um, or two ways now actually, um, one with the cross at the front and it goes across the um, my upper arms and the um, woven corner with the tassels hangs down my back and the other way is to have it wrapped around twice around my neck and then the woven bit with the tassels goes across your chest. So it is actually really nice. I used a mixture of yarns from one of the Maker's Dozens bags that I bought from Fibre and Clay in the summer. It's Creams, winter whites and um, neutrals. There's silk in there, um, some Debbie Bisp Pure Silk and some uh, Silk Twist. And a whole variety of different yarns. There's some Gadifra in there as well that's got some mohair in it, which is the one thing that I'm not 100% keen on now that it's done. It's just, it sheds a little. But... Uh, but yeah, that's the Bellisana colour. But the um, the bulk of it is actually Berger de France Magic, which is 50-50 acrylic. So it kind of went ping um, and pulled sort of back in because um, obviously it was held under quite a lot of tension. But the Rowan Silk Twist and the Rowan Silky Tweed work really nicely with it and the Debbie Bliss Pure Silk um, really does as well. So I wove that as part of the weaving in the sari way, maybe as Cow 101 weave along. Um, and it's I, I, I just really really like it unfortunately the photos I have it at the moment are quite dark the light was beginning to fade so I will see if I can retake some of those photos and uh, maybe you know get, get some better photos because they are a bit dark but I do really really like it um, and I it was really really quick to weave I did it in three days so I could, and I was working as well, I was doing school work as well during the time. So I could easily, if I got a wiggle on, I could do some for Christmas. Um, I do have quite a few of those makers bags, so I could do some quite a few things in there.
onto something I really like. Now this week, this is something I bought at the blueface.com weekend back in on the August bank holiday and it's a project bag by Nix Knots. I've seen Nix Knots bags before and they're smashing. They're really, really nice. She, like me, doesn't like seeing seams inside things so everything is lined. It's got a great rip stop toggle on it with coloured beads on the end. Um, it's nice and roomy. I could get all of the colour affection shawl in there and all of the crochet on the Elsa that I'd done and some, you know, three balls of yarn for the colour affection. It's nice and roomy bag. Um, she makes all sorts of different size project bags and they're with really funky fabrics as well. This one is black with little knitting sheep all over it and a lovely red lining. But she does all sorts of wonderful bags and fabrics and I fell in love with a spindle bag that she'd, or well, with with the same size bag actually as the one that I bought with a TARDIS, a cartoon TARDIS Doctor Who fabric on it. The, it, the Doctor looked like, if you imagined how the creators of South Park would draw David Tennant, and that's, that's how he looks on this fabric. Um, and I really liked it, and I, I asked if it was big enough for a spindle. She said it could be, but I'd be better off actually giving her the dimensions of my spindle and she'd make one up to order for me, which I have every intention of doing once I find where my spindle is. I've tidied it somewhere. Shh, don't tell. Um, but anyway, it's they're, they're absolutely fabulous bags. They're really well made, and I really, really like them. So I'm delighted... Um, to say that I finally got my sticky paws on a Nix Knots bag. Um, they're absolutely brilliant. I'm really, really pleased. They are available to order at www.nixknots.co.uk and you spell that N-I-C-S-K-N-O-T-S. But I will put links in the show notes. Now, chit-chat. Time to explain my possibly frightening title, Time to Say Goodbye. It's not saying goodbye to me. Like I said, work may be getting a little bit in the way of the podcasting and reducing the schedule, but it's certainly not me hanging up the microphone. No, at the time when I wrote it, the time to say goodbye really was, I was thinking very much about how I was saying goodbye to the Woolsack project and at the time where I wrote those notes it had only been um, a week that I'd finished and it felt I felt really, really weird. Just over a week I felt really weird without having a cushion on the go. It was very, very, very odd. So I was saying goodbye to that but I wanted also to take the opportunity to say thank you so much to all the listeners who contributed including Crafty Peach, Busy Lizzie, Sando, Jellybean, Helen HFJ, Alice Jeffcott, Rosseroo, Louise Hunt and Bedouinarian. And if I have missed anyone, if anyone else sent me squares to go into the podcast cushions, please, please, please let me know to say thank you for all of the, the squares that they were absolutely brilliant. The second thing that it was time to say goodbye to was sadly the Sticks and String podcast. 
that finished up at the end of August, I think. David has hung up his microphone and I miss him. I really miss him. But I think that he is planning on keeping everything available for a while at least. That I don't think he's, he's planning on pulling anything from the podcast so you can still go back and listen. And the final thing, which was the bit that was the hardest thing at all to say goodbye to, was Fibre and Clay. That closed on Saturday the 8th of September and I couldn't actually be there that day to go and say goodbye because I was attending a family wedding that day. But I did go a couple of days before and it was poignant. It was, you know, it was so sad. I'm delighted to say that actually the community side of it is carrying on and three knit groups are running that were all started at Fibre and Clay. And uh, I'm, I'm glad that those have carried on. But it does feel odd not meeting in the shop and it feels very odd not having the, the shop there as a resource. There is a knitting shop in uh, Northwich and it's really good for what it does. It does a lot of um, stuff aimed at the Serdar market, baby clothes made with acrylic, things like that. And and that's absolutely fine, but not necessarily the things that I've come to, to enjoy using. So, knit pros. You know, I I need some new knit pro points and I don't have anywhere readily that I can go and buy them now. Brittany Birches, you know, I love using those. High-end stuff, really, isn't it? But it is, it's sad, and I wish Rihanna and Nigel every success in whatever they do next. I'm just really sad that it, their dream didn't work out. You know, it was, it was really good while it lasted, though. Thank you. Thank you to the pair of them. On more cheerful news, I have, since August, I have seen or spotted in photographs all five of my mother bear bears. <laughs> all five of them, all five of them I have seen with their new owners in their new homes. So first to be spotted was Ruby, who was named in honour of episode 40, she was the little one who had a little red dress and I spotted her in Namibia and uh, she was the first one I spotted back in August. Then after that I spotted Coco who was my ballerina bear and my very first bear who's unimaginatively called Nick. Uh, they were spotted in South Africa. No they weren't. They were spotted in... Botswana. Yep, Botswana. And finally, I spotted, at the beginning of October, I spotted Frank and I spotted Otto in South Africa. So I've put pictures of all of those with their new owners up on the show notes. But I'm absolutely delighted to see them. You can't, I can't tell you what a fabulous feeling it is. If you have any time at all and any ability to knit a bear for mother, the Mother Bear Project, please do. You can purchase a pattern at motherbear.org. 
and that's the only place to purchase the patterns. And all of the information on where to send them then um, comes through when your pattern comes through. But I'm absolutely delighted to have spotted all my bears with their new owners, all of them with the little hearts sewn on. Um, so um, I'm really, really pleased. Go on, make a bear. You know you want to. Finally, on to the competition. Now, I know it seems like an age ago now, doesn't it? But when I went to London for the Olympics, I picked up uh, a few bits and pieces to have as competition prizes. So I decided that the best thing to do with those is to just literally have a simple draw once per month. And it's going to be based on listeners who have joined the Ravelry group or added pins to the listener map. So this month, I have selected from the first 100 members of the Ravelry group, and the random number generator has chosen member number 76, who is Distal. Who, now I, apologies if I don't pronounce this properly, um, whose name is Svenja, I think. But she's from Germany. So, Distal, drop me a Rav message or email me at yarnsfromtheplane at googlemail.com with your snail mail address and I will pop these little prizes in the post. The next draw will be in November. So, go on, pop in a pin in the map or join the Ravelry group to be in with a chance to win. And that just about wraps us up for today. I'd like to say thank you again for all of the contact, the messages over on the Ravelry group, the messages you've sent to me personally. It's great to know that you miss me. I'm such a sad sap. Thank you. Thank you for missing me. <laughs> and I, I'm not making promises that I'm going to be able to stick to a regular schedule. I think it's easier if I say that I'm going to aim for one episode a month over the next six months or so. There may well be a chance to do more than that, in which case I'll seize it with both hands. But I think I'm going to be more comfortable with saying at the moment that I'm going to have to slip to a once a month schedule with possible extras when I have any holidays and try and work it out like that. I've got some ideas to try and do some pre-recording that will help ease it when times are particularly busy. Um, so I'm hoping that, that that will help. But I do love contact from my listeners, so please feel free to leave a message on the show notes. They're, they can be found at www.yarnsfromtheplaneatpodbean.com or over on the Blogspot site, yarnsfromtheplaneatblogspot.com. You can email me on the email that I've already given, yarnsfromtheplaneatgoogamail.com. You can Ravelry message me where I am, Tales from the Plain. Or you can tweet me, send me a tweet. I am Tales from Plain. That can be quite sporadic. I can go days where I don't check at all, other days where I can be quite active. Just depends on what's going on in my life at the time. But I do love to hear from you all. And I'd just like to say thank you. Thank you for your patience. And thanks for waiting. And hopefully it won't be quite so long next time. 
Until next time, take care. Bye.